Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is October 17th. This is the Bruins Beat on CLS Media. Every neighborhood has a heartbeat, a place that represents the cultural epicenter of the area at its core. In Boston's historic North End, that place is Boston Barber and Tattoo Company. Boston Barber and Tattoo Company has become home to A-list Boston celebrities like Gordon Hayward, Alain Lucic, Brad Marchand, Kelly Aaron Baines. Boston Barber and Tattoo is more than just Boston's most well-known corner barbershop. It's also a tourist attraction for hundreds of thousands of people that visit the North End throughout the year. Boston Barber and Tattoo, a North End landmark that represents the cultural epicenter of the area at its core, located at 113 Salem Street in Boston. And welcome to another edition of the Bruins Beat here on CLNS Media. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy. And, well, it's uh, it's been an interesting season thus far for the Bruins. They get absolutely shellacked in Washington on opening night, 7 nothing to the Capitals. And then they come back and they win four straight uh, before heading out onto the road. And I got to speak to them as we record here on a Tuesday. I spoke to them earlier today uh, before they took off for Calgary to start that four-game set that will take them through Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, and Ottawa before returning back here uh, to play the Flyers on the 25th of October. And I got a chance to talk to Charlie McAvoy about what a early West Coast trip or Rocky Mountains West Coast trip, we should say, uh, will do for this young Bruins team. And this is what he had to say. I don't want to say first road trip of the year, considering where you guys started the season, or some of you in China, but now like a real in-season road trip. You're going out four games out yeah. west. Uh, every team does this. You know, what do you look at as trying to get out of this besides wins? Um, well, I think the bonding aspect is good. Uh, I mean, we've seen it already with China, but then again, that was like half the team. So, I mean, it's good to get out there. It's good early in the year to do it, too. I mean, if you think about it, this is uh, – this is one of those road trips. I don't want to say like it's it's tedious, but like it's it's one that you do every year. You you go out and you bang out all these West Coast games. So I think it's good to to have it early in the year. It kind of checks it off the list. Hopefully we go out there and we're able to leave with all wins. Um, I think it's good for our team early in the year here to figure out what team we're going to be on the road. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously Washington wasn't wasn't uh, you know an outing that I think any of us want to remember but uh then we went to buffalo the following night and played well in, in a shutout effort so i mean we've last year we were a really good road team like we're able to go on the road and play and get wins um 
so I think this year hopefully will be a lot of the same, but I think we'll find out a little bit about ourselves going out uh, going out west away from home and, and coming together and playing some uh, some big road games. You just uh, saw Edmonton as well. You'll play them a second game out there. Does that help to have just seen a team like that? Uh, a little bit. I mean, it, it's one of those things where you played them so recent that you still kind of have an idea of what that pre-scout was like, what it was like to play against those guys, kind of some tendencies that they have. So uh, feels familiar when, when we'll go and play them in two games. Um, but that being said, I don't think any of us are overlooking Calgary or our immediate future right now is to get there today, uh, have a safe flight, and get there and get ready to take care of business tomorrow. And then finally, um, if you look at those cities that you're going to, you on a personal basis, which one do you like to go to best? Um, oh, man. Uh, like, we were, we were there for... I think we had a couple back-to-backs last year, so I know Edmonton. We didn't spend much time in at all. I think Edmonton. Right. We were there for one day, so I didn't really we get to see that city that, that much. Right? I think we were in Van for one. For we got there, uh, practice played, and then left uh, oh, for Edmonton. Right. Yeah, so we were only there for about a day. But Vancouver is really nice city. Yeah. Um, Calgary. I have a couple friends there, uh, like Noah and Chucky, and a couple guys on that uh-huh. team. And Zarni is an old Bruins guy, so. Uh, as far as personal goes, maybe I'll be able to run into those guys this afternoon. Um, I'm sure they're all beautiful Canadian cities. Uh, as far as that west goes, I guess the one I'd most be excited for would be Calgary. If you wear contact lenses and find yourself dreading that annual appointment to renew your prescription, then you're going to love Simple Contacts. It's a great new company that makes this annoying process very well simple. Simple Contacts lets you renew your expired contact lens prescription and reorder your brand of lenses from your phone or computer in minutes. Simple Contacts brings the doctor's office to wherever you are, wherever, whenever you need it. You can take the Simple Contacts vision test online in five minutes. A real doctor reviews it and renews your prescription. You save time, you save money, and you save yourself a headache. And if you have an unexpired prescription, just upload a photo of it or your doctor's info and order your lenses in minutes for a great price. They do all the hard work for you. This is vision care for the 21st century. Simple Contacts offers every brand of lenses and their prices are unbeatable. The prescription is just $20. Compare that with an annual appointment, which can be up to $200 without insurance. And they have some of the best prices on contacts, and shipping is free. Best of all, my listeners will get $20 off their first Simple Contacts order. To save $20 on your lenses, just go to simplecontacts.com slash BruinsBeat or enter the code BruinsBeat at checkout. I want to mention that this isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. You still need those occasionally but it is the most convenient way to renew a prescription and reorder your contacts if your vision hasn't changed. Again, check out Simple Contacts and get $20 off by going to simplecontacts.com slash BruinsBeat or just enter the code BruinsBeat at checkout. Give it a try and thank me later. So McAvoy hoping that this young team, some new faces and obviously some guys who were here last year, but maybe some like Anders Bjork who wasn't really around the team a lot, hoping that everyone can kind of bond together. They weren't able to do that really with their trip to China because it was only half the squad going, but uh, they have looked like they're bonding together on the ice. And I'll tell you what, they looked real good in a uh, a 4-1 win over the Edmonton Oilers last Thursday. And at that game, I had a good chance to catch up with my old friend and colleague, Mark Spector of Sportsnet Edmonton. And he's joining me right now here on the Bruins beat. And he's going to help us look ahead to this road trip for the Bruins and take a little a uh, closer look into that Oilers team the Bruins beat last week. Speck, how you doing? Oh, pretty good. Murph, how are you doing? I'm oh, not bad at all, my friend. And uh, how did Boston treat you while you were here? 
Oh, always excellent. Uh, had a chance to watch the Red Sox game uh, at Fours, which is a very Bostonian experience. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> and uh, you know what? It's such, it's such a great sports town because not all, you know, as a Canadian, not all American cities are great hockey towns, right? right. There are many, but there's ones where you go there and hockey's like the 10th thing of, the, of importance. Uh, mm-hmm. But I always enjoy going to Boston because, you know, the Red Sox are huge and obviously the Patriots, the Celtics, and the Bruins. Uh, when the Bruins play, you know there's a hockey game on in town. And it, it's, it might as well be a Canadian city where hockey's concerned, right? Yeah, for sure, right? But uh, I'll tell you what, yeah, it's interesting. I actually talked to Jake DeBrusque about that, an Edmonton native, um, who I know you've uh, d- done a lot of work with uh, for your charity golf yeah. tournament there and you're familiar with. And I, I spoke to him, um, It was I think it was after the game Saturday because a bunch of the guys were heading over to the uh, Red Sox game one of the ALCS that night uh, after an afternoon tilt against the Red Wings. And, you know, he said the same thing. He's like, look, I don't know what to expect, man. I mean, basically, I come from Edmonton where – you know, when you talk about the four uh, big-time pro sports in North America, all we have is the Oilers. And uh, I didn't know how to expect and what the fans would be like. And he said it's amazing how much they're able to sort of distribute an equal amount of attention to every sports team they have here in Boston. He's been really impressed with that. And I agree with him. I mean, Boston sports fans are pretty hardcore. And, of course, uh, you know, much like you guys were in Edmonton in the 80s uh, with all those titles – Gretzky and the Oilers are winning. Uh, we've been pretty spoiled by all four teams over the last 10 years or so. So uh, there's a reason they're all uh, excited about every single team, eh? Yeah, it's a good run in Boston right now, man. I mean, I, I watched uh, uh, a good chunk of that game on Sunday night uh, and watched Brady duel it out with Mahomes. And, you know, I mean, Brady, it's just like watching Rodgers in Green Bay. Whatever happens to the pass and whatever happens to Brady, if you're telling me he gets the ball inside two minutes with a field ahead of him, they need a field goal, I'm putting my money on him every day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I just, you just know he's going to do it. Uh, your yep. guys are blessed right now. You're having a good run in Boston for sure. You know, let me ask you. So, you, I mean, you were able to see, I don't know if as a journalist or a fan, see that Gretzky error with those Oilers up there, you know, when they were winning those cups and, um, I mean, was there sort of that feel around that team that, you know, even if, say, they're heading into the third period down 3-1, say they could they could come back and win it and, you know, they were sort of never out of it. What was that like when that team was really going on all uh, all cylinders? Oh, no question. I mean, they won five cups in seven years. Uh, they were, you know, honestly, you, you know, they scored f- over 400 goals a year. Teams today barely get over 200. Uh, you had Wayne Gretzky, who was getting 200 points a year himself. You know, guys win the scoring title now with less than 110. Uh, it, it was just, you absolutely, if if they had to fight their way through a game, well, you had as tough a team as there was in the National Hockey Good League that gave Jamaica leading away. Yep. Right? Great if guy. you had to score your way through a game, no problem. You had the highest scoring team in the history of the history of hockey. And if you needed goaltending, well, you had Grant Cure, who was a Hall of Fame uh, goaltender. So the confidence level that the Oilers were going to win most nights, yeah, it was pretty high, Murph. <laughs> That's awesome. That must have been a great time to watch it there. And before we move away from that wonderful dynasty there, you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of talk coming out of Toronto and pretty much across all the Canadian media because, for, you know, I don't know if you'll agree with me, Spec. Sometimes it seems to be very Toronto-centric and, 
Of course, the Leafs off to their uh, high-scoring start. And I'm hearing some – I listen to, you know, some of the radio shows out of Toronto. Uh, I'll, I'll leave unnamed out of respect to them right now because I'm calling them out. But, uh, you know, trying to say that this team's eventually going to surpass that Oilers dynasty. It, it, it just – I don't know. It's kind of comical to me. Yeah. It really is. Well, listen, you know, the people in Toronto, like, it, it, it's not unlike Boston and the Red Sox who went – how many years did the Red Sox go between World Series? Yeah. Oh, so, God, it was 86, right? 86 years. Yeah, 86 years. So when the Red Sox finally got good, did the baseball fans in Boston, you know, hyperbolize a little bit? Were they a little overexcited to finally have a good team? Sure they were. But yeah. you know what? They're good fans. They're good hockey fans of Toronto. It's a, it's really the mecca of, of the hockey world. And they've been, you know, I, here here's the orders have been in the league since 1979. They've won five cups, and they've been in, uh, I think, two others. Yeah, they've been to that's seven right. Cups. Yeah. The Leafs haven't been to a Stanley Cup since the 60s. So the people there have, have been deprived. They finally got a good team. They've finally got a great player here in Austin Matthews. Tavares comes back. You know what? Let him hyperbolize a little bit. Uh, we all get a little sick of it, too, because you know I don't have to tell the guy in Boston. All the media comes out of New York. Oh, and when gosh. the Yankees do something, yeah. you guys have to listen to it ad nauseum. Yeah. Well, in the hockey world in Canada, all our I work for Sportsnet, and it's based out of Toronto. TSN's in Toronto. And all we hear about is how great the Leafs do a tiny little thing, and we get it all shoved down our throats. I understand why. I get it. Uh, you know what? Let them have some fun. They haven't had fun for a long time in that town. I hear you. And by the way, Bruins fans say you're welcome for Glenn Wesley in uh, in 1990, Okay. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> they do not like that memory. They feel a lot of Bruins fans, me included, feel like the Bruins would have had a better shot in that series if he doesn't miss that open net and Bill Ranford doesn't stand on his head. But that was then. This is now. <laughs> Let, let's let's talk about now, right? You saw you were here for that Bruins Oilers squad. So I just want to quickly before we delve into the Oilers for a bit and tease that game between the Oilers and Bruins on Thursday. Just your take. I know you and I were talking in the in the press box there just about the top line, and we all know how great Bergeron and Martian and Pasnick have been um, and, and how much this team depends on them. But what else, whether it's positive or negative, uh, jumped out to you about this current Bruins team when you watch them? Well, I mean, first of all, that that's as good a line as there is in hockey. You know, uh, everyone, like, how would I say? If you listed the best players in the league, it starts up there with Crosby and McDavid and guys like that. You know, those guys aren't in the top five, but as a line together, I'm not sure that's not the very best line in a game. So let's start with that. Uh, you know, you got a guy in Bergeron who can ha- who can defend the McDavid and then also turn the puck around the other way and the puck's in your net. So that's yep. it's just such a lethal line, lethal line. Uh, they got depth, you know, they're getting some depth in scoring. What I liked about the Bruins is their bottom six plays the way a bottom six is supposed to play. You know, Crowley runs around a little bit, hits some people. Uh, they got size down there. They got speed, they're buzz saws, you know, your, your fourth line is not going to score goals every night, but they should make an impression. You should be able to hear them play and mm-hmm. you can hear them play, man. That, that line is banging and you know, they play, it's, I know it's a cliche to say Bruins hockey, but I'll tell you, you know, when you, you leave the Boston Garden with a bruise once in a while. That's how Boston's supposed to play. And the Bruins team I saw in there the other night, they scored on you, they 
beat you up and they hit you. And it was hard to hold the puck against that team. Uh, the Oilers were overwhelmed by the speed and tenacity of the Bruins. And uh, the Bruins were by far the better team on that night. And they looked like they got something going in Boston. Let, let, you know, we'll go back to that first line there quickly, too. And, and obviously Bergeron is the guy that everyone talks about, probably one of, if not the best, two-way players in the game right now. But David Pasenek, uh, you know, I wrote a column last week, and I, I am still getting death threats from Caps and Pens fans because I said, look, right now, right in this moment, Speck, and, and I don't know if you're going to agree or you're going to laugh at me like they did, but I think right now in this moment, in the present, that, you know, if you're talking about best players in a game and say you're ranking sort of a 1 to 10, you got Matthews and McDavid kind of one and two battling it out there. I'd put McDavid one for sure, um, but battling it out right there. And, yes, Crosby and Ovechkin are still there, but then there's so much young skill and, and so much talent floating around this league right now. And I think if you're looking in the sort of the, the three to ten there, I think David Pasternak, it's kind of a mishmash. And on any given day, you could say Pasternak is sort of three or four there, or maybe five behind Crosby and Ovechkin. Am I nuts to say that? Well, the way he's playing right now, you're not nuts to say that. I mean, I want to see, you know, it, it really, it, those conversations to me are, are, you know, based on seasons of play, not right. a good month. <laughs> Pasternak, listen. Was he twenty fifth overall drafted? I know it's unreal. I mean, you know, he's a he's a he's if, if anyone else. I mean, let's face it, Keith Gretzky didn't have a chance to draft him sooner. Uh, you know, when they did pick him, but if if he'd have known that he was that good a player, the Bruins would have traded up to get him. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. he's a better player even than the Bruins thought. Let's call a spade a spade. But, oh, for sure. Uh, and Bergeron helped him so much. You know, Bergeron, the influence he has is just helping his game overall so much. Well, you know, Cassie talked about that when I was there, and and it's so true. That's one thing that, you know, sitting here watching an Oilers team that's turned over coaches and players and and been, you know, not a good club for the last 12 or 13 years, let's face it. Uh, Boston has a culture, you Mm -hmm. know, and they still have Char in that room. They got Bergeron in that room. They got veteran guys who when you're a young kid like Pasternak and you come in, you have tangible evidence every day of how to become a great NHL player. It's right in front of you. You know, yeah. McDavid comes in the room in Edmonton, it's not right in front of him. He's got to figure it out for himself. And all these young kids here have tried to figure it out for themselves, and I think it's pretty plain to see it doesn't work. And in Boston, it's the opposite. A new player comes in there, and he just has to keep his eyes on Patrice Bergeron and see how it's supposed to be done. And I'll tell you, people scoff at culture and they say, ah, you know, that's just a bunch of old hockey talk. Yeah, not at all. There's a reason that Boston's, taught, you know, Boston won that cup in 11. They went down a little bit. They're right back where they need to be. And they're, uh, you know, the Bruins are a Stanley Cup contender again and will be for a while. And a big part of that is the fact that they've, they've got a tangible culture and guys like Char and Bergeron in that room that that absolutely lead the way. You brought up, you bring up Keith Gretzky there, and I think that's great. And you and I talked about this a bit in the press box uh, last Thursday night in the intermission, and, and you were just complimenting how well he did with some of those guys like Apasenik and other players that he was able to help uh, bring in through the draft for, for Boston and, and sort of how Edmonton's, you know, they're starting to get those players. And you said you're starting to see 
uh, his, you know, footprint on things there. Um, but how, how much more did they need that? And, you know, is it time maybe if they're to go out on a trade or via free agency to kind of look at a, a guy that, you know, in, in sort of the Keith Gretzky mold, so to speak, and what he looks for in a player and in the culture? Well, I'll tell you, like, why do you, you know, why do teams like Edmonton hit the skids for so long? Because they forget how to draft, right? Mm -hmm. The pipeline runs bare. So why are the Oilers, you know, constantly drafting first? Because they're not a good team. Why aren't you a good team? Because all those picks below first don't turn into good players. And we've noticed since Keith Gretzky started, you know, became Chiarelli's amateur, head amateur scouting here, and he's in charge of the draft. And I'm watching guys come to camp now, the third-round picks, the fourth-round picks, the fifth-round picks. They're players now, right? Yep. Now you're seeing guys come in who are going to play someday. And you know, I'm not saying they're all superstars or all first-rounders, but they're going to play. And you're getting the odd guy, like a, they got a defenseman on the, in the chain here, a kid named Ethan Bear, uh, offensive defenseman, right-hand shot. The kid's going to play. He's a fourth-round pick. And I'll tell you, an offensive defenseman that shoots right that can skate and pass and move a puck, that's a valuable player, and you've got to draft those guys. Yeah. And, you know, we're seeing the Bruins have a young crew of kids here, and I know they don't, you know, they didn't, I know that uh, there's some question on those three first-round draft picks. One of them was Jake DeBrusque, but uh, you've got to draft. And it, it appears to me that Keith Kresge knows what he's doing. I'm seeing it in a tangible form here in Edmonton, whereas before we did not. And you can't be a good organization if you don't draft well. And Gretzky's a big part of that here. And the other thing, of course, uh, you know, to say, it's amazing to me. And I think they have a valid point. But here in Boston, uh, Speck, I don't know if you got the vibe of it uh, while you're here. Uh, there's not a lot of love for Peter Chiarelli here, despite the fact he brought them their first Stanley Cup in 39 years. And I've said it numerous times. I, I think it's just that, as we started our, our conversation here is that Boston is so used to winning right now that anything less than a championship or maybe a finals appearance uh, is just not tolerated anymore. And, and if you're the GM or the coach or the players, you're going to get murdered here in, on the airwaves and by the fans. And a lot of Bruins fans and a lot of sports media here um, really still have it out for Chiarelli for some of the contracts he signed and, you know, giving too many no-trade clauses and no-movement clauses and the years and the money. And, and, of course, you know, the big one everyone will point to is Tuka Rask uh, and then David Krejci, of course. Um, I'm wondering what's the feel and the climate around Chiarelli right now in Edmonton? Is it is it getting to that point? Yeah, it's not good. You know, it's not good. His trade record in Edmonton has not been strong. I'll call a spade a spade, you know. He basically replaced uh, – Taylor Hall with Milan Lucic, you know, and, and traded Taylor Hall for Adam Larson, who's a, a good stay-at-home solid defenseman, but he's a two or a four. Uh, that trade kills you. He traded uh, a first-round pick that turned into Matthew Barzell in the Islanders and a high second-round pick for a defenseman named Griffin Reinhardt, who hasn't been in the league since. You know, he cannot play in the NHL. That trade hurts you. Uh, you know, He's made. He's won a couple of smaller trades, but he's lost on a bunch of big ones. He traded Jordan Eberle for uh, Ryan Strom. And it, well, I get it. It was a contract dump. They need to clear some space. But Ryan Strom isn't anywhere close to the player Eberle is. Not even close. So yeah. 
Shirelli, they have lost patience in Edmonton with Shirelli. Most Oilers fans, I'll, I'll, I'll say that plainly. Uh, and this is a key year for this team. They, they are being accused, and rightly so, of wasting uh, another, you know, wasting McDavid's prime years. He's 21 mm-hmm. years old, and uh, this team missed the playoffs last year. They better make it this year. Uh, or I suspect there will be a but, great deal of turnover in this organization. But the owner, Katz, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, did he not show up in New York for that Rangers game? Yeah, he was in New York uh, with Do we uh, Kevin Lowe. That, or is that just – I, mean, I don't know. You know what? I don't know because they won the game and uh, it took a lot of pressure off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, listen, I, I'm not here to tell you that, that making a bunch of firings 10 games or 30 games into a season is going to save anything. I think what's going to happen here is this, you know, Shirelli and Todd McClellan are on the fourth year of five-year deals. And I think that, you know, they should let this season play out and and give these guys a chance to put this thing back in the rails. This was a 103-point team two seasons ago. Right. Uh, if, it, if it does not happen, however, I don't sense that the owner, and I don't know this owner and nobody knows this owner because he doesn't do anything publicly, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't talk to the media, doesn't hang around doesn't ever have a conversation even with you. So I don't know the guy, but I'm going to say that he's spending a lot of money here, and if they continue to miss the playoffs, I suspect there will be changes. But you're, you, you're pretty confident, though, he, uh, Chiarelli at least has the season to to save this or correct it? I would think so. Like, you know, you tell me, does, does firing a general manager midseason help? No. <laughs> yeah. Well, if, a general manager, you know, if it's a clean sweep, Spec, you never know. I mean, like, if he's, it, it, could he, you know, could he fire him and McClellan? Then I don't know. Maybe, but I'm with you. I mean, something that big isn't something you do in season. Well, and if it is, it's after your season is over. Yeah. You know, if you do that mid-season, it means that your playoff chances are done. You don't. This isn't a team where you go. We're going to change the coach, and we're and it's going to make the playoffs. Now, it's not about the coach here. It's about the personnel, frankly. Mm. Uh, I I don't think I think Todd McCollin is an excellent coach, and I don't I don't look at this team and and its performances and say oh it's bad coaching. Not mm-hmm. at all. Uh, he's doing the best he can with the horses he has. I think the horses are the issue. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know it's interesting too. You see, like there was some talk, and you and I talked about it. I think the last time I had you on the podcast last spring or early summer, you know, I, I had been tipped off that the Bruins and the Oilers were talking of it, which was shocking to me considering the. Uh, kind of sour relationship that Cam Neely and Peter Chiarelli supposedly have, um, you know, and, and we had we had brought up Clefbaum's name there and maybe Tory Krug going the other way. Krug starts a season on injury, so I don't think he's going anywhere soon right now because people want to see how he's recovered, not only from this current injury, but also, you know, the one he suffered in the playoffs before. I mean, he's kind of fragile, so I don't know where his trade value is at right now, but um, if you're looking at those Oilers right now, you know, I know a name the Bruins fans always bring up that they would love here would be a Ryan Nugent Hopkins, but correct me if I'm wrong, Spec. I mean, this is a guy that had a really great bounce back year last year for the Oilers. Um, I don't think this is a guy they're really looking to get rid of right now, is it? Hey, Boston sports fans, do you want to get killer seats to see your favorite team for the price of beer or a large pizza? Well, go to one in a hundred.com. That's one in one zero zero dot com. Feeling lucky? Try it out now. The cost to potentially score tickets with 1 in 100 is a small fraction of the actual ticket price. You can score a pair of tickets for less than the actual cost of a beer. Your first raffle ticket is free after signing up. 
and the experience of using one in a hundred.com, which is extremely fun and exciting, is that you get to pick your lucky number to the feeling of potentially scoring premium tickets. So feeling lucky, go to one in a hundred.com right now. That's one in one zero zero dot com. No, he's uh, McDavid's full time left winger at this point, and they've got just three, they've only played three games here. Yeah. Um, in Edmonton, but they've they've got very good chemistry and uh listen this team is is a little bit light up front i don't see why you know i don't see them looking to move uh ryan Lee hopkins i don't think that's an option right now uh there's some holes in this lineup however they need defensemen yeah they do uh, no question about it uh, whether ryan Nugent hopkins becomes the guy to get that defenseman i would doubt it uh i would doubt it i i would hope that um you know, Shirelli hasn't had a great trading record, uh, especially mm-hmm. making big trades. And I'll take you right back to Tyler Sagan. So uh, <laughs> I would think that he needs to win a couple of small trades before he starts making any more blockbusters. Yeah, that's a great point there. And, you know, of course, another guy we heard mentioned around the trade circuit uh, throughout the summer uh, was former Bruin Milan Lucic. Uh, he came back uh, a little lighter. Uh, I also read, you know, some stories that you did as well. Uh, that he he really took a lot of uh, focus into his mental preparation and where he was mentally, uh, not just on the ice, off the ice as well. Of course, we know he lost his dad in the last couple of years, uh, just a tragic event there. So, you know, he's just sort of lost his game and been lost since he came to Edmonton and since he left Boston, basically. Um, Where is he at, Ryan? What's the sense you've gotten from him throughout camp in the preseason and now into this early season? The thing about Lucic is, you know, we always talk about he's lost a weight and, and that, you know, fans may think that it's because he's out of shape, which is absolutely not true. You know, I've watched a lot of hockey players over a lot of years and I know I've seen Lucic every day. He's in fabulous shape. Mm-hmm. Okay. He works hard. He trains hard. But the issue with Milan Lucic is he's never going to weigh less than about 230 or 235. He's just such a big man. That's how big he is. He's not coming to camp at 220. Never going to happen. So yeah. the question becomes, you know, is he? It, it, the game has sped up so fast around him that does he become yesterday's player? Can anybody play in this league whose name isn't Zdeno Chara uh, at that size anymore? You know, it's you're just not going to weigh that much and be Milan Lucic's body type and be a darting, speedy player, right? That guy doesn't exist in hockey. So so Lucic has to sort of prove that he can still, his strengths and his assets, his ability to hold on to a puck, his ability to go to the net, guy still can't stop him. He's got to prove that, that those qualities are still a currency in 2018. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's making $6 million. He's got a long-term deal. And they need 50 points out of them. That player has to get you 50 points. So Lucic has been a 50-point guy every year of his life, except for last season. This needs to be a bounce-back year for Milan Lucic. He needs to prove that there's still room in today's National Hockey League for guys that play the game the way he plays it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I hope he turns around. I always liked him. always found him very interesting just to talk with. You know, whether it's hockey or or just anything else about life, uh, he always has time to – kind of shoot the breeze with you, you know, once you're done with the interview part. Oh, listen, and there's a stereotype about the big guy and he's a big dummy. And it's such a stupid stereotype because Milan Lucic is smart. 
He's thoughtful. He's well-spoken. And I'll tell you what, he knows the league as well as you or I for sure. Like when he rattles off a statistic from three years ago as a journalist, <laughs> yeah, we, always, we always check those statistics because usually players screw them up. Right. He's <laughs> got them. Up. Cheap. No. Every time I check it, he's right. Yeah. So, you know what? He's, he's a, a good person, a good guy. I got all day long for him. And I, you know what? Because he's a good guy and because he works at it, I hope that he can become once exactly. again a valuable player and a guy. I don't want to be on the radio questioning if you want Milan Lucic on your team. I like the guy, but exactly, but you have a job to back. do. Yeah, I mean, you got to report the no. truth. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I just got to tell the truth, and if he's not productive, the truth's going to hurt. Exactly, and, and you know what though? It's it, interesting too, and I, I don't know how he's been since he got to Edmonton. In the beginning here. Uh, he was a little sensitive about that whole part of the job. You know, he, he could he literally said to me one time, he said, look, I, I, I thought you were a little tough on me uh, with your game story there, Murph. Uh, and I said, well, yeah. you, you were minus three, and uh, you, you took some bad penalties that led to goals. He said, well, yeah. And I said, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just, and if you do well tomorrow and you go out and get a hat trick, I'm, I'm going to love you, you know. I'm not, I'm not out to get you. Don't worry. He says, okay, I just want to make sure. <laughs> yeah, no, no. You know, yeah. and it, it's on a team basis. It's easy to write the Bruins right now because everything's positive. But the exactly. time will come when they start losing, and you got to be tough on them. And, and the professionals realize that you know we're not uh, media aren't fans. Yeah, I don't love my team unconditionally like a fan loves his exactly. team unconditionally. Exactly. I'm just here to tell you what's going on. And if it's good news, great. If it's bad news, got to write that too. Well, I'll tell you what too. And when we talk about a you know a guy like Lucic who wants to who knows his stuff, knows the game, and he's good to have a conversation with. I don't know if you got a chance when you were in Boston, but if you didn't, and I don't know how much time you're going to have with them there, because I know they're coming in off a, a back-to-back, you know, it's a tail end of a back-to-back. But grab McAvoy if you can, just to shoot the breeze with him a little. He he is just like Lucic, if not better, in terms of being a student of the game and a fan mm-hmm. of the game. And, and, you know, we heard him there in the beginning of the podcast. He was actually on his way out when I grabbed him there. Uh, they were rushing out to make the plane, and I said, "Look, I know you know. No, no, I got time for you. I got time for you. Don't worry about it." And he and he did the interview. There you go, and that's right? just the type of guy he is. And Lucic was like that too. So you know, Oilers fans, if you're listening, don't be too hard on him. I know he hasn't played up to expectations, but he's a good guy, Milan Lucic. And same with the Bruins fans with McAvoy. But hey, Speck, I know you're pressed for time, my friend, and you took enough time here, if not more than we planned, uh, to give us a great podcast as always, my friend. I appreciate you taking the time. All right. Hey, Jimmy, it's always a pleasure doing that radio with you, man. Always. Anytime, man, and hopefully I'll see you around the rink soon, okay? All right. Take care. All right. That's Mark Spector of Sportsnet joining us here on the Bruins Beat. I'm Jimmy Murphy, and this is CLNS Media. We'll talk to you next week. 